uh, the Miami Herald Food Podcast. I'm Carlos Frias, the Miami Herald Food Editor, joined every week by my buddy over there, Amy Reyes. What's up, Carlos? Amy, I am in pain today. What happened? I am in severe pain. Uh, so I decided earlier this week that, uh, that my pandemic body had to change. So I found one of those hit training places, those high-intensity training places. And I went on Monday, and the, uh, I'm sitting now, and I may be sitting for the next two days because I don't think my my uh, quadriceps can. Uh, you overfitnessed. Yeah, no, no, no. I didn't know. I just fitnessed. Like my fitness consisted of walking the dog, and I'm like, I need to get back into the fitness game. And uh, the fitness game was like, where you been, sucker? You know, like practice. <laughs> It cracked its knuckles when I came in. And it started like, swinging oh, a chain. You think you're gonna, you think you're gonna fitness? I'll tell you oh, what's a, what's what. Oh my god! It feels great, like to be like healthy, like my body immediately, like you know, your muscles start to remember. Oh yeah, yeah. fitness. Oh yeah, I can be oxygenated. Yeah, but at the same time, also, it's payback. Pain. Pain. It's pain. Yeah. Like no, going well, you up know the something? stairs, I look like a little old man. Like a little old man going up the stairs. It's it's embarrassing. I'm so sorry for you. But you know what? The only way to to fix that problem, do a little bit of cardio. You need to shake that lactic acid up a little bit. You need to do do an old man walk. It'll help you I, with your That's what I did. That's what I did. Monday. So I did that Monday. Tuesday I did active recovery, right? Yeah, like I went old for man a walk with the dog. Old man walk. And uh I was like, I'm gonna go back today and like my body still my legs are your still. Your body like, rejected that idea? Yeah, they're like, let's try tomorrow. And I was like, Okay. Right. We need I'm another definitely- day to recover. Right. I think I'm going to start with two days a week. Like, cause you know, this job, I've always said this job comes with an extra 10 pounds. Like, like here's your computer. Here is your access to email. And here are your 10 pounds. Just exactly. strap those on right Just here. Just put it on right? and keep it there. Yeah. Unless you're going to do like they do on the, the food network shows where they, you like eat the food and then you spit it out. Like, you know, right. You have like a little bucket. Yeah. You're not going to do that. Yeah, no. But so, so if you hear me kind of like, as I'm moving around, like, you're, you're just, you're just falling apart over there. Uh, you need to do some cardio. That's what you need. You need yeah, to get them no. and, and then do some stretching. You're right. I, I, have I, I can stretching. tell you, I can, I can curate your fit life if you want. I'll no, tell you what if you it's up do. to you, I'll be in, I'll be swimming in that poop water on uh, off Key Biscayne. <laughs> I don't want that. That's too fit. Too fit. <laughs> yeah, I'm get an ear infection and then you can't do anything for months. So mm, I'm so healthy now. <laughs> I have uh, I have tendinitis and I have and I have bacteria in have my ears. Meningitis also. <laughs> <laughs> Super fit. Oh well, let me uh, tell you about my cooking disaster this weekend. Gwenda. So listen, Carlos, remember how I've told you on many occasions how I don't make beef at my house because there are other people who are more expert at doing it, and I mm-hmm. tend to um. Screwed up. Well, Tony went and bought this really expensive filet mignon. And so what do I do? I Google it. (laughs) (laughs) How to screw up filet mignon. (laughs) (laughs) How to make the best filet mignon. Dude. Okay, so you know how you're supposed to sear it? Like, okay, this is what the the internet told me I had to sear it on, on both sides, like flash fry it and then put it in the oven. Okay. Filet, the, the the cuts that he got were literally like this thick. It was well, they're that's how they are. They're thick but tiny. They're like you know, dude, like yeah. thick. Yep. So, I was flash frying this mofo. I have burnt <laughs> the actual crap. Oh no! Out of just one side. <laughs> are you sure it was burnt? You sure it wasn't the the that what you want the caramelization like that my crack? It was no. charred. It was definitely charred. I but I had the right kind of pan in it. I had the, like the iron skillet and everything, and I put the butter. And I, you know, I did it every everything that the internet told me to do. I did except I burnt it. So then I put it in the oven. And I was like, whatever. I, I'll eat through the burnt part because you know, whatever. We, we we've come this far. We must just yes. I mean the the, the the immigrants, the poor whites. Like we we share that thing. Like the food must be consumed one way it or will the get other. Eaten. Yes. So then I put it in plate. the oven. And, you know, the Internet was like, this will cook up in five to seven minutes, five to seven minutes. Well, (laughs) 20 minutes later, I cut into it and I was like, oh, my God, this is still breathing. It's still alive. (laughs) Tony was like, you can sit down now. Like, you can just go sit down. So, (laughs) So I went and sat down and Tony had 
he basically had to butcher the um filet mignon and then cook it in pieces because we just couldn't do it right we are we're we are people who should go to restaurants to eat fancy stuff because it was a it was a disaster and i regret i regret paying a lot of money for filet mignon and then trying to cook it myself this is these are bad ideas you shouldn't give up on it. You shouldn't give up on it. As a matter of oh, fact, dude. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you about a process. I think I mentioned it before. It's called the reverse sear. The reverse sear. So first, you put it in the oven, right? Oh, right. You talked about that last week. Yes. I should have tried that. Maybe first I would have been it, paying more attention. If you put it in the oven, like sometimes if you have a little rack, it's even better. Like it sits off the pan, so it doesn't like yes. stew. So it doesn't. So yeah. You, so it doesn't stew. And you cook it nice and slow, almost like barbecue, like like 200, 250 degrees. Uh, I think that's the number. Or maybe higher. I, I don't have the recipe in front of me, but you basically oven roast it first, right? You kind of bake it. And then while that's going, you get that cast iron pan rip roaring hot with like mm-hmm. a high um, a high smoke point oil. You know, something that won't burn really easily. Wait, like 200 oil. for how long-ish? You got to go look at it. I think it's it's probably like 15 minutes. Okay. Like that 15, sounds, 18 that sounds minutes. about right. Yeah, because it's so, it's like low and slow. It's almost like barbecue because you're, you're very... You're kind of almost warming it up. You know what I mean? You're mm-hmm, cooking it mm-hmm. slash warming it up. And then you bring it out of the oven and the pan is hot and you've got like some oil in there. Like, like it sounds funny, but like even like, uh, well, like grapeseed oil, flaxseed oil, Dude, that stuff is. I'm all and about butter. Dude, you put oil and butter. I put all the, all the fats. See, that's, if you put, that's the thing is if you use an oil that's like a, like a butter or, um. Uh, or olive oil, it'll smoke, boom. And it'll look mm. terrible. It'll burn, the oil itself will burn. Okay. But then you put it in that thing, the oil with a little bit of butter, but you put it in and it's literally just to give it color. And you get that reaction, the Mylar reaction. So then you can kind of peek at it and be like, all right, it's the color that I want it. And then you take it off. And it's yeah. it's more foolproof, I think. I think it's more Yeah, foolproof. it sounds it sounds less like Amy's gonna ruin it. Yeah. yeah at at least it's cooked through when you braid it, bring it out. You know what I'm saying? Like that that actually makes sense. Because if you're just searing something and then you cook it, like no. How much of it? How much did you of it did you consume? All of it. It was actually yeah. really good. I mean, yeah. I, I think you really gotta you really gotta get a bad cut of filet mignon for it to come out bad. Even the burnt part was good. So all I can say is like the money the money was not wasted and the food was decent. So yeah, did you? It would have been a better story? experience if uh, somebody else made it though. Yeah. Did you read that story? I think it was in the Washington Post about how. Uh, uh, vegans are 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 sadder, are are more prone to depression than I do non meat eaters. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it right there. I'm just gonna leave that piece of information right there. Oh well. Go to Google and Google that story and um, and enjoy. I'm sure they find joy in other things besides a good piece of filet mignon. Yeah. Hey, listen. Speaking of changing your mind, so um, I know we're a Miami audience here, but uh, the Philly Inquirer. Uh, recently just retired its restaurant rating system you know instead of um instead of using stars they used to use little bells because it was uh it was appropriate to philly you know philly with their the liberty bell and they'd done that for like 20 years um craig leban who's their their food critic and he just came out with a story today about why they decided to retire it mm-hmm. um and uh, you know as you know like you know yes. we, we decided a couple of years ago um that we weren't going to do that because because we're we're overrun by ratings, right. stars, and everybody's got a star rating. You know, like even if you have the worst Uber ride of your life, five stars, right? Because who's your mon- Because you're monster otherwise, and um, and I think that that trickled over into the food world, and everything is it, like if could you imagine eating at a restaurant that you see on Yelp that's like three and a half stars? Mm-hmm. Like you'd be like, oh no, that's I, I would terrible. never go there. Unless no, listen. If if you you can kind of weed through the Yelp reviews, if they're complaining about the service, in in a way that makes it sound like they're jerks, I think you can kind of you can see through that. But like if they if if you get a lot of the same complaints, I think I think Yelp is crowdsourcing complaints. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You have it's to like read Zagat. through. It's the opposite of Zagat. Remember how that used to be? Zagat used to crowdsource what people liked about restaurants. Yeah, and they, you're crowdsourcing I mean, really, complaints. Yeah, no, it but, makes it makes perfect sense, and I also think. That um, like when I read a story like uh, about somebody's experience in a restaurant, what I'm looking for is like what what's good. I am looking for what's good. I'm look and, and I'm looking for what to avoid. So I think I think having a star rating doesn't necessarily give you the information that you're looking for. I think the actual story does, and the star rating is distracting. 
Yeah, we we've been jaded, I think, by star ratings. Yeah. Like anything that's under four point seven, it's like, oh, this might be sketchy, you know? And mm-hmm. it's like because it's not reliable. It's just this this wide crowdsource. And I think he said something interesting that I think, you know, we which is one of the reasons we were, were doing it, is that like this idea of a cur- of a curated selection by a local expert, a person who's just like dedicated to that. Uh, someone who readers can trust carries more weight than what you see right. on a Yelp review, which is like why we did, which, you know, you had the great idea, like, hey, do your, do your favorites. Do your favorites, yeah. Right. And that's kind of what he's no, done. Because he does his, he does now his, t- like, part of their dining guide is like their top 10. Yeah. You know, and, and he doesn't rate like one through 10. He's like, these are the 10. It's almost alphabetical. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, because it's like, if you think about the restaurants that, some of the restaurants that we used to review, like we reviewed like Salt Bay's restaurant or, you know, we, we review like a lot of the really high end places that a lot of locals maybe aren't even going to eat there or the people that are going to eat there don't care. Like they're, they're not there. They're going to go anyway. They're going to go anyway. Like they're they don't care what your, what your opinion about the restaurant is. They're just going to go. A lot of those high end places are impervious to reviews, you know, like yeah. it doesn't matter. Like it, nothing's going to, nothing's going to change the mind of the people that want to go there because they're going for more than just the food. They're going for the scene. They're going for, you know, they're going for the the prestige of just being in the place that they can, you know, being at a place that's expensive and they can afford it. They're going because they want to look cute or they're going because, you know, that's where their friend from out of town was like, I want to go here. Right. It's those, and it's those C and C, C and B seen places yeah. that are always going to survive for the minute that they are popular. Right, right exactly. Like they have to bring more to the table if they're going to, you know, if they're going to become local institutions. Right. Clubstaurants in their own category. Yeah. I mean, they, they serve a purpose for people who, like we were discussing the other day, a clubstaurant is for adults who don't want to go to a club. They're like, okay, let's right. make our night out be going out to dinner. There will be a DJ. There will be a lot of screaming. There might be p- people dancing on chairs. But we also get to eat and then go home, you know, without they might be like, like me. They they fitness the day before. They can't stand up. They sat down on the chair. They want to sit like, down. I just want to listen to music. They fitness too hard. Yeah, uh, I don't. I'm not. I'm, that's very low on my list. The club restaurant. I'm not. <laughs> You're not I'm a not club restaurant guy. I'm really not. You know that I'm not. Well, you know, um, you know, for me to get out of candle, it's got to be like a real big deal. It's got to be lit. It's got no. <laughs> it's got to be great. There's there's got to be tri suits involved for yeah you to exactly. Wear. Hey, so listen, so the James Beard um, uh, nominations are open. So, um, and I think something that folks don't realize is that like when the James Beard nominations open, not only is it the, like the judges or whatever, but like if you go on their website, the average person can nominate a restaurant. Normals can nominate? Normals can nominate. It apparently, like I've done some homework into it, it goes into like a big pool that just go into the pool of consideration. So... Um, so it's a, a thing that people don't really know, but it's. Do you uh, think that local restaurant owners know this? Because that seems like I would nominate myself if I owned a restaurant. A hundred and ten percent. They definitely know that. They definitely <laughs> that's know the that's the case. <laughs> they definitely know. And they got their cousins and their aunties nominating them too. I bet. Yeah. Go ahead, put my name in there. I know. Drop yeah. it in. Drop it in. Dunkin' Donuts, James Beard Award winner. <laughs> um. Well, listen, I think that we have kept our guest today waiting long enough. And I'm really interested in talking with him. Um, yeah, we, we, this is like a full circle vent. I need the moment. You know what I'm saying? It really is. It really <laughs> is. Because this is a, this is kind of uh, close and personal, I think, to me, but also like to Miami in general. Um, our guest this week is Pedro Cao. Uh, now, Vicky Bakery is synonymous with croquetas, pastelitos, and Cuban bread in Miami. And Pedro's father, Antonio Cao, founded the Baker, the Vicky Bakery that we know today, uh, 50 years ago this year, actually. Uh, Antonio was a baker in Cuba, and when he immigrated, he, brought a, he bought a small bakery in East Hialeah. He kept the name, and he turned it into arguably the most famous Cuban bakery in South Florida. Uh, Pedro became a master baker and took over the business when his dad retired. Uh, he's franchised, franchised it to more than a dozen locations, and I think there's more on the way. Um, now, in the full interest of disclosure, my mom was raised with the Cao family back in uh, the little country town of Cardenas. Um, so I grew up with Vicky Cakes for every birthday for the first decade of my life. You know, uh, you know the little Spider-Man fight scene depicted on top of that, that creamy cake. Uh, and I guarantee you there is probably a video of me uh, dancing with Pedro's younger sister in a quinceañera somewhere. 
Uh, yeah, I swear to God. That's, <laughs> I would, have to I would pay money to see that. Yeah, but you know what? You you might actually not have to. I'm I'm gonna go look for it. <laughs> um, but you know, it's funny because I've never heard the full story of how Vicky came to be. Uh, did you know that she was an actual person? Um, and there's this whole his, history that I'm curious about, uh, such as you know, you know who who that Vicky was and how, like why this family-owned business, why it became such a big deal, like why it became this ubiquitous bakery that we all know. Um, and then and why, why no apostrophe this? S? Why isn't exactly. it Vicky's it's bakery? It's just Vicky Baker. And and kind of and why they decided to kind of franchise, you know. So um, I want to ask uh, Pedrito about all those things. So bienvenido, Pedro. Good morning. How are you guys doing? How are you, man? Good, good, good. Oye, doing está awesome. bien, cuidadito, el pelito, echado yeah. para con la barbita. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> How are you doing, man? Uh, doing good. A little bit nervous, but doing good. No, no, no nervous. I, I just told a story about how I burnt some flaming young. So yes, I was fine. here. Yeah, you I was here. Feel fine. Yeah, this is the food podcast where we burn things. Where we, right. where we don't know how to cook <laughs> and, and we don't leave Kendall. That's right. That's good. Pero, hey, tell me a little bit about the background of the story of like where Vickery Bakery starts. So, like, your, tell me a little bit of background of your dad. Your dad was a baker in Cuba? He was a baker in Cuba. Yeah, actually, uh, my parents met in a bakery. My mom used to be the cashier back in Cardenas, where you said. Okay. And, and he was a baker in the back. And that, that's how they met. And from there, they had me. I was born and my older sister, uh, Maria. Okay. And in 1968, we, we left Cuba and moved, moved here to Miami. Actually, they were sending us to Chicago, but my old man, that was too cold for him. So oh wow! We, yeah. So you guys, had, you guys had that. Uh, so 1968. So that's yeah. like when a lot of the Pedro Pan flights were. Am I, am yeah. I mistaken? Right around then. Right around then. Yeah. Because yeah. they were trying to find, and they were also trying to find different places to put all these Cubans because there was yes. a lot of us that were arriving. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that, that's where we're supposed to go to Chicago. But okay. He stayed in Miami, and there he started working. Uh, he actually had three jobs. And save save really? some save some money and uh, I I always love hearing the jobs that Cubans did when they first got here. What what yeah. were some of the ones that he did? Oh, it was cleaning pants and a bakery, doing douches, and mm-hmm. the other one was cleaning and douches. <laughs> oh you wow! Know, you know, so he and, went right to the bakery. Like he went to somewhere that where he knew what he was doing. Basically. What he was doing? Yes, yes. He's very lucky. He's he's really yeah. lu- in that sense. Not lucky, but very very smart yes, to go yeah. right into that. What kind yeah. of a bakery was it? A Cuban bakery. Oh, okay. Cuban bakery. Oh, no kidding. Where was it? Where was? Do you remember where he started? Uh, I'll tell you. My first bakery that we had was right across the street from Jackson High called the Mercedes Bakery. That's his first bakery he owned. Oh, okay. And actually, we were there for around two years, and that one burned down. Oh, wow. Uh, that happened to bakeries a lot. That happened yeah. to bakeries a lot. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, no insurance or nothing. Uh, so. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. God. Yes, yes. Wow. Yes. So he started he started twice. He started again when he got here and then he started again after his yeah. bakery burned down. Yes, yes, yes. What and was then, next? And was Vicky next? Uh, no, actually it was a bakery called Baradero. Okay. Uh, close to Cardena. Yeah, <laughs> close to Cardena. And right. that one didn't work out that good. So he really went into the um, the uh, card lunches, the card box lunches. He was selling pastries to them. And oh, like to the like to those uh, to those, those silver carts, the food trucks. Food yeah, trucks. back yeah. back back then there was a lot of food trucks. Yeah. So he started selling to the food trucks, so los pastelitos, las papas, and okay. that's when Vicky started. He actually bought this little cafeteria down in Southeast Hialeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, it was a, a small cafeteria. So he really shut down the cafeteria and left. It started doing the the pastries for little carro de lunches. Right. Okay, and then he had problem with the inspectors because that zoning wasn't for a warehouse type of zone. So we had all these neighbors. That imagine these people at three in the morning, four in the mornings when they're loading their their trucks. Yes, yeah. the panadero, the panadero yeah. get there yeah. in the middle of the night. It's like yes. the club kids are going home and the panaderos are going into work. <laughs> going into work. Maybe Very the true. same group, the the club kids going straight from the club to the panaderia. Yes, yes. <laughs> so what happened there? He really got shut down. And a door closes, another door opens. So he opened the, 
a bakery. He opened a bakery right there, and that's really how it all started in '72. There, your dad yeah. is interesting. He didn't. He didn't. Um, he he didn't name any place Antonio Cao Bakery. He no. just he <laughs> kept taking over the names of places. And yeah. and what was the? Do you, has he told you to this day, like, um, like why you guys kept the name Vicky versus just actually doing something yours? We kept the name because uh, things started going so well. They were, I'm talking. This was a little cafeteria, probably 800 square feet, you know. Yeah. And uh, he started. He got, he he made it bigger next door. Well, actually, he ended up buying the whole shopping center. But the name was there already. Oh. So the name got known all around. So there's really, you know. No. He was like, I don't, I don't feel like changing the sign. No, <laughs> let's just leave it. <laughs> let's leave it. <laughs> buy a new sign. It's Everybody fine. People know where it is. Yeah, <laughs> people yes. know where it is. It's fine. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> They'll come for the pastelitos. Yeah, yes. you know why you're here. <laughs> Pedro, what were the, what was the competition like among other Cuban bakeries? Were there a lot in 1972 when, when you guys took over? Yeah, baking? yeah, there was a lot of bakeries. Uh, in Hialeah, you had a, you know, Hialeah, you had a couple, a couple of good bakeries. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they had the Indio Bakery that was really good, and yeah, there was a, there was a couple of them. There was a couple of them, and you had in Miami Los Pinos Nuevos, that was one of the big big bakery back then, mm-hmm. and you had La Rosa Bakery too. There was there was competition, and and actually when you go in Miami, you, you right now you have a bakery in every every corner. Every corner, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. but not a lot of them has been have been there as long as. You, as uh, as as Vicky, I mean, oh, no, you mentioned no. La Rosa. La Rosa yeah. is right across the street from me. They make incredible pastelitos, so right. I I go over there. They're on the corner of uh, Lejeune and um, and Flagler. But but of the ones you mentioned, that's the only one that's still that's yeah, still they're still they're still still there, still there. Yeah. But all, all the other ones are really closed down. And then we started growing in 1985 again. It was the second Vicky in Hialeah. And, 445 East 49th Street. And La Guarantino. And La Guarantino. Actually, I started that one back then. And That's right. And what year yeah. was that? 85. Mm-hmm. 1980. So how old were you? Because you, you came over from Cuba as a little guy. I, I was 18 years old. I was about <laughs> to say the, the math yeah. don't math because you, yeah. you were born here or you were born there? I was born in Cuba. I came. Okay. I was two, two and a half years old when I came here. Wow. You know? So your dad really, yeah. yeah, he really trusted you with that and... And you had an appetite for it. Like you had, you liked the bit. Yes, yes. I worked. Yes. Uh, I, well, since I was a little kid, I was always working in the back. Uh, I mean, I'll be 10 years old. My dad will take me Saturday and Sundays at four in the morning to work. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> yeah. my God. Could you imagine yeah, yeah. Amy yeah. getting dragged out of bed to go to the bakery <laughs> at four in the morning? I would probably be like, I want to be a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, your dad was a lawyer, and you were like, I don't want to be a lawyer. I want to be a baker. I want to be exactly. up at four in the morning. Totally. Yeah. Well, that, I think that's what happens a lot of time. That's why it's amazing that he, he, he stayed in the family business. Yes. Yeah, yes, I, I, I think so. I think so. You can go one way or the other, right? Mm-hmm. It's always either either you love it and you want to be just like your dad and, and maybe even grow it, right? Like take the business and, yeah. and expand it. Or like, I'm going to go be a lawyer. I'm gonna I want to be, be an doctor. artist. Right. <laughs> an artist, an artiste, an artiste. Uh, that's interesting. You know, what I've, what I've always been fascinated by was Cuban bread. I mean, Amy knows that I have like this long standing obsession about Cuban bread and, and why the Tampa bread is so different from the Miami bread. You know, the, the Tampa bread is crustier, has a crustier top. The, the Cuban bread is, has a flakier, almost like eggshell consistency, but I think is doughier, nicer inside. I mean, I grew up down here, so I have a predilection yeah. for it. Why are they so different? And, and why did you guys decide that like, that was the version of the bread that was the right one for you to make. Uh, actually, the clients, uh, that the demand is in the clients. And, oh, I see. You know, the, really the softer one with uh, more masa inside is the most, you know, it got more, more, more popular. You know. Oh, interesting. Was there okay, a wait, for somebody who doesn't know, them? but wait, yeah. Carlos, for somebody who doesn't know the difference, like what would... What would I encounter if I had a Tampa Cuban bread versus the the real soft ones that we get here? Like, what are, what are their breads like? Is it harder on the inside? Is it more like a French baguette? Typical, tip, not a French baguette, but it's a little bit harder. You know, it's the way the way they bake it too. You know, they they still bake it like a old fashioned style. 
actually there's a I know up there in Tampa they 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 put the uh, the, the leaves from the uh, plantain trees in the right. center like we, we put a- we put strings and they put and that's how that's how they, they used to do it back in Cuba, you know. Yeah, they started with the they, they do the uh, the palm leaves. So like the palm leaf the center, they yeah. take the palm leaf and they rip a little piece out of it yeah, and they yeah. put it on top. And Amy, as it as it proofs, right? Like when they first roll it out, they put the palm leaf and it yeah. starts to rise around the palm leaf. Uh-huh. And when they bake it, it serves just like when you score bread, so that when you right. bake it, it doesn't pop. It kind of rips along that edge. Yeah. But you guys over the years have gone with, with string. With strings, wet wet string, and does the same thing, but it keeps it more moist and you know. And the top is crustier. Amy, they look like uh, they're 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 the ones in Tampa are much longer. Yeah, they mm-hmm. looks like baguette shaped. Like they're they're yeah. almost like three feet long. Like they're yeah. really long. Uh, they're they're skinnier, um, and they're and the masa is a little bit denser. When you mm-hmm. say Pedrito? See, si, see, si, but I know what you mean. It's 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 different. Here's more compact here. Yeah, and and so like you said that. The customer decides. So, like, were you guys baking different versions of Cuban bread, and and people were like, they bought this one more? Or? Actually, from the beginning, we we had this this bread already. You know, mm-hmm. we tried for all these years. We try to keep doing doing the same same bread. Nowadays, it's got more modern. There's you know, like uh, we have a, a big warehouse in Medley. We do all the breads there for all, all the stores right now, which mm-hmm. there's 18, 18 stores. And now October 28th, we have the grand opening of Homestead store. I'll be number 19, and there's still two more opening this year between November and December. It'll be in Bird Road, and we have another one opening the the Bird Road in Coral Spring. That's the next one opening. And is, is there is there um like have you ever gotten into that discussion about which bread was closest to the one in Cuba? Like, do your does your dad remember? Like I, I assume the bread he made was the bread he makes now is is how he made it in in Cardenas or or no? Yes, yes, the same. We we kept the same formula, and like I tell you, a lot of things change. A lot of ingredients are a little bit you know, you a little bit different the ingredients now nowadays. Sure. But we keep the same same formula. The only process now it goes through machines. Right. Back then, right. I remember in '72 we used to do the bread like you wait one by one. You know, you, you waited the 16 ounces, you left it in the table, so, so it gets soft, you started, you know, stretching out the bread, you waited another 10 minutes, you stretched it out again, then you put it in the pans. Now, nowadays, everything, it's, uh, you know, a lot simpler, so you have to change a couple of things on it, you know. I bet yeah. that if I gave you all the ingredients and blindfolded you, you could make, you could make a loaf of bread <laughs> cucumber right now. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, it's it's funny because that Cuban bread is so much a part of our culture and um, and and it's it, it's got to be hard to 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 mechanize right like when you when you start scaling up like when you were at the little bakery in East Hialeah how many loaves would you make in a day when it was just the little bakery a thousand little, little bakery daily no you probably go around four hundred pounds a day five hundred pounds a day back then you know right. yeah I want to start growing yeah I started you know. And we used to there in the Molina in the Southeast. When we opened the other bakery, we used to produce there in Southeast to the other bakeries. You know? Oh, like it was a little commissary almost. It was right, 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 right. And if you still go there, I know you guys have a, the big one in Medley, but you guys still mm-hmm. bake out of the one in, in Southeast Hialeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We bake in Southeast Hialeah. And we still, well, most of them, we do bake the bread everywhere. And they come frozen and you have to bake them. You have to prove them the day before. And then, then you bake them. Every bake, every bakery freshly bake. You know. Yeah, you're you're bake, and that's that's not just something that you guys do. A lot a lot of places have have copied your model, right? Whereas like you bake it, you proof it, and then you freeze it, like right there, right before you bake it the next day. And then the you, next so day. You, so you thaw it out the next day, and you bake it, and that way you can get it to a lot of different places. Yes. Yes. And uh, yeah. I, I mean, I have a like I like still going to the bakery and like getting it hot out of the. Had a, right, out of the right when it out. comes out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's that's nice. I just like it that way better. Uh, well, what's your favorite thing to do, Pedro, with like two old, two day old Cuban bread? Like, do you have a, Do you have a thing? Because my mother in law, she likes to make pudding out of it. Bread pudding. Bread pudding. Yeah. Yeah. All the all the bread that we have left over is actually from bread pudding, and it comes out amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a nice that's a nice turnaround. Yeah. Is that what you do at the the bakery? You got you guys do bread pudding there pretty yes. pretty regularly. Yes, yes. Every every bakery does the all the, all the bakey bakeries. 
We have the bread puddings from the leftover breads, you know. And actually, not two days. You got to leave them even a little bit because the more toasty it gets, the better for the bread for the bread pudding, you mm-hmm. know. And those it's got to be a baseball bat. It's got to yeah, be like, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got to be hard. Yeah, yeah. What you do, you scrape all the edges, and then you cut in little pieces. It's, you know, you mix it then with the milk, with the eggs, you know. And, and it's not just Cuban bread with you guys, but I mean, like, there are people that that their croqueta, their, their croqueta experience is not complete unless they have a Vicky croqueta. You know, everybody has their favorite where they like one or the other, but they each have, like, their own character, you know? Um what tell me about how you guys came up with that recipe? Is that something that he brought with him, or is it something that you kind of developed there? Or? Hey, we developed we developed in the bakery. Actually, my old man was the one who developed that that recipe years ago. You know, mm-hmm. we try we have kept it going, and it's like you said, it's a very popular. It's like a, a number one seller, and yeah. the, the croquettes in the business. You know, a hundred percent. I remember when um, Amy, when I uh, I met with Massimo Voltura. Uh, the, he had the number one restaurant in the world uh, uh-huh. some years ago, and I, it was like it was that was that interview was the precursor of the show, like mm-hmm. talking with with you know interesting people and stuff. I just took him a box of of pastelito Cro- and croqueta, Cro- croqueta and stuffed potatoes. I think no, something and like that. I think papa rellena too. Papa that's rellena, right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, I and it was one of those things like I just bought it on the way, and and yeah. I remember like oh like I'm gonna go to like the one bakery that, that like was close to me as a kid. And so I, I got him a box of those. I mean, there's plenty of awesome croquettes and everything, but I just like, let's see what he thinks of these, you know, and he kind of went through and he tasted each one. It was really, it was pretty cool actually. Yes. Yes, it was. Um, what's your favorite thing at the bakery, Pedrito? A favorite thing. Uh, Is there a thing that I you eat every day? Do you eat, do you eat Cuban bread every day? Or are you on the fit every life day? like Well, I eat sandwiches. I, I, I eat the croquette. I love the piece of pastel. And then oh, yeah. sweets, I love torreja. La torreja, it's the bread with the custard on top, with the um, simple syrup on it. Mm-hmm. Really good, really good. La señoritas, it's amazing. Uh, I, I, I exercise every day. <laughs> That's Obviously. the only way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's got the sore legs at some point, Amy. <laughs> yeah. You know what I was talking about, right? The sore legs? Yes, I mean, yes, yes. Well, what do you do yeah. for fitness? Because if I were you, I, I would be like rolling or all around Miami. Oh, I, I do 45 minutes every day of cardio. Mm-hmm. And not every day, but I'm talking four, four to five days a week. I try, I try to do it and lift a little bit of weights. But the cardio is the most important. Croqueta. Yes. <laughs> As a croqueta dangling in front of him, you know, like. I'm going to get it. The croqueta. <laughs> That's it. And something very popular that we have is uh, los patelitos, you know. Los patelitos. Oh, my God, yeah. That's the, that's like croquette will be the number one seller, pastelitos will be the number two, you know. How do you make, how do you, how do you like, like when it comes to pastelitos in Miami, mm-hmm. like I've had pastelitos where I'm like, no, this ain't it, you know, and I'm a, I'm a gringa. So like for me to be like, something's off here. How do you separate the pastelito boys from the pastelito men? Like what are, what does the pastelito need to be, to be like at the level? Really, the ingredients are very important. You, you know, you gotta is it use butter? It. Is it like the? Is it the phyllo? Like, what is it that that has to be like there in order for it to be like yes, elevated? It's, it's so many things to make that those layers. You really got to do. It's a formula that you do. It's, you call it a book, and then you do another book on it. You let you let it rest. You do it again, and at the end of the day, it has 144 layers. And that's Amy, you spread a, you spread all that butter and that you know those layers. It's that's like a when, croissant. Amy. It's like a croissant, similar to a croissant, but the pastries are more more crispy. And you know when they grow in the oven, you can you can really taste if you do it with the right ingredients and everything. You taste that and the, the, that taste in it. Uh, you know, nothing frustrates me more than a pastelito that doesn't have the right ratio of of like masa to guava or uh-huh. <laughs> like uh-huh. relleno to, uh-huh. <laughs> to, to, to to carb. That that's I find that very frustrating. Yes, there's yes, some yes. there's some that are very puffy, right, mm-hmm, and then right. others that are very flat. Mm-hmm. So where does the Vicky one fall into the into that range? We're really in like in the middle, like yeah. in the middle of that one, you know. The, I think that's why I think that's why it's so popular, right? Because like it's like the bell curve, right? Like mm-hmm. most people are in here. Yeah, some people like ex- happy medium. Some people like extra, yeah. Some people like yeah. extra puffy. Yeah. Some people like the the smushed yeah. ones. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the really aplastado. Like the aplastado ones, they have their fans. I, I got a, a note the other day from um, from a, a, a friend of mine who was like my my friend from wherever. 
wants pastelitos, but she wants Loja Plata, like the ones that are <laughs> thicker, you know? So I sent her to Carla Bakery does theirs like that. Uh-huh. And, and, uh, but theirs are a little more like amarillo and yes. which to me is not right. <laughs> like I look at them and like, I mean, they're good, but yeah. they're like, I just, I'm not used to seeing it that color. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. They put like a so, little bit of dye in theirs, I, I think, because they're really yellow. I know that. Yeah. So, cause I'm curious about that too. Is like when you guys, like, what's your, you know how they have the kilogram, Amy, like stored <laughs> in, uh, and there's like one kilogram where they, where they measure all them by, like, how did you guys come up, decide that like. That was the right ratio. Was a lot of research and development, or well, it comes all the way back from the old man, you know. And like back then, we used to do let's say ten doughs a day. You know, we're up to four hundred doughs a day nowadays. But every dough has the same same amount of everything on it, you know. Right. It's so important. Even the salt. It's so so many little details. You know, actually, we have one person just measuring to get the other person ready to mix them. You know, right. So you, got the, you got the line of people going. Yes. So yes, since yes. you guys have so many different, um, so many different bakeries in different parts of the city, like, are there specific neighborhoods where you guys like kind of tweak the menu just because, like, you know, as as Miami's become more, more, uh, you know, pan Latin, pan Caribbean, and you know, have you, have you guys added different things to different parts uh, depending on the neighborhoods? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of different things like uh, tres leches, something in Nicaragua. There's certain a lot of desserts that are, they're already you know in place. And here, really, everybody ad- adopts though the way you said South Florida. Everybody adopts to the the Latin flavor, you know. So so yes, yes. There's a, there's a lot of items that you know they're not only Cuban; they're uh, from other countries, you know. Do you do you remember these flavors from Cuba? I mean, you came so little. You came uh, so little that you can't have I much can, memory I, of this. I can't remember Cuba. Two and a half years old, and really, really not. Have you ever been back? No, no, never, never been back. We brought uh, my parents brought all the family, so really, um, I'm pr- proud to, to be you know, I'm an, uh, an American here. Yeah, <laughs> Honestly, yeah. It's the, Amer- a, the the American dream. Yeah, that's a big sticking point, I think, with a yeah. lot of our generation of, I mean, I, yeah. I include you in our generation, even though mm-hmm. you were born there, with that mm-hmm. idea of um, how difficult it is to, to even think about going back. I remember when, when my dad, my, my dad was in his 90s when he first mentioned, like, that he'd be open to the idea of going back to Cuba, you know, and then, right. and then um, we, you know, it was like he got a little bit sick and we never really pulled that up. But it, it took a long time for even to think about yeah. that. Is yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Have yeah, you ever thought about it's anything cru- like it's that? Cru- it's, it's crossed my mind. I, I would love yeah. to go to see the city I was born. And, right. uh, and to see Varadero supposed to be one of the number one beaches in the world. So right. we're, we're, what, 10 minutes away from, from that beach there. One, one day I want to go and, and, you know, and see and really see it. <laughs> yeah, it, would, it, it really is one of those things where it's, um, there's, a hole, there's a hole in your heart when you think about uh, uh, kind of being able to reach back into your past and yes. visit places yeah. where your grandparents lived yeah. and your great-grandparents yeah. and things yeah. like that. I hear all the stories uh, about Cardenas. There was uh, wagons with coaches everywhere in the streets. Uh, everybody was in bicycles. Something interesting, you know. Some That's of those things are still true. The wagons yeah. are still in the street. <laughs> and yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what would it take for you to go back? Is it is it just like the your, your family just is like, no, this is not, we're not interested in, in doing it now? Or is it just like time? Or is it just like you don't want to be there yet? Or like, what would it take for you to go back? No, it's really a matter of time. Uh, actually, right now, I've been working all my life so hard. That that's what I'm doing mostly some travel now, you know. Right. So pretty, pretty soon, it'll probably, you know, the right time comes, you know. Yeah. Right now, the tensions with Cuba, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable right now. But oh, maybe, you know, things get a little bit better, yeah. I'll, I'll love to Especially visit. Especially Cuba goes through those periods, you know, where like, where the, where the U.S. and the relations get a little bit better and they yeah. never quite. And then it's and like, then like they, and yes, then they, yes. And, they, and, and then the situation, right? Like, I think when my dad and I were considering it, they got hit by hurricane. I want to say it was the one that uh, Amy that it, it looked like it was going to smash us, and then it went it went the other way, and it hit the the west the south the southwest coast of Florida um, a couple of years ago. But it, it went through Cuba first, and that's when you know. So it's always it's always something. It's always once something. Once you make once you make peace with like the idea of 
you know, of going back and kind of emotionally preparing. Then you have to then you have to wait for the weather. Yeah, there was yes. like a window. There was like a window when there there was a lot of travel to Cuba and everybody was like, "Oh, let's let's all go," you know. And yeah. then I feel like that window just shut. Yeah, a lot of people have families. Honestly, we have uh, so many workers, so the Cuban workers, and a lot of them they do travel to Cuba because they come and, they, go. They, they come and go because they have their families down there. Mm-hmm. I understand they they need to take clothes to their families. Uh, you know, they're they're really in need in Cuba. You know. Do you, what's that experience like when you meet um, like a, a Cuban who's come over and that starts working at the bakery? Have you ever had that experience where they're, you know, like this is not something that they know over there, you know, in that in that sometimes you're teaching them things that are pre-Castro methods of, of baking, I would imagine. What What yes. is that like when when you're dealing with new employees and new folks that are in your bakery that that are just arrived? Yes. Uh a lot of them are right. Uh, they're hungry to work, you know, they, they, and they really, they really learn. They learn our style, you know. They don't have the down there. You hear the stories. They don't have the ingredients, you know, to make a Cuban bread. It's it's crazy with the things that you hear about from Cuba, you know. And like you can stand in the bakery in the back, or sit in the office, and you hear all this conversation, all them talking about you know everything in Cuba. It's like you know. Kind of cool, you know, and one way kind of, and sad, you know. Yeah, it's you know? cool to get the the window of like what they're what like you get little glimpses of what Cuba's like. Right, right, right. right. And then the sad part you hear a lot of them still have a there there are kids down there, you know. So they do they they need they make money here and believe it or not to to take them clothes to take them stuff down there, you know. Of course, yeah, that's, the, so, that's so, the whole yeah. That's the whole deal, right? Yeah, and and that's the thing is like you guys maintain a tradition of of like um, of food and of of a cuisine. You guys kind of preserve this thing that maybe has been lost a little bit, you know, like on a on a wide scale has been lost. Um, do do some of the folks um, that come over that have been bakers in Cuba do they talk about how things are different? Oh baking yes, wise? yes, yes, yes. They. Actually, they, they they can't bake down there. <laughs> yeah. There's certain things that they do only that, you know, when they come here and they see all these sweets, they see all these, you know, pastries. Uh, well, you know. when I read Carlos's book, Take uh-huh. Me With You, which, shameless plug for my, shameless my plug, friend here. <laughs> when When I read his book, he talked a lot about how there's a lot of pizza places in Cuba. And he did not talk about a lot of bakeries, you know. Yes. It was it was a lot of pizza, and so I wonder are 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 any of the like really young people just being introduced to some stuff, or like are there like places in Cuba that just they they might not have like the the kind of menu that a that a Vicky bakery would even have? Oh, I'm I'm sure sure it's it's impossible all the ingredients that that you need to run a bakery, you know, piece of place you all you need is flour. Uh, water, ketchup, you know, yeah, some, <laughs> yeah. some cheese. To, it's just not, you know, it's not not a big a big thing. You know, it's something a real simple thing to do. You know, uh, Vicky hasn't gotten into the the pizza cubana, huh? No, no pizza uh, pi, 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 uh, Pizza pastel is the one we got. But that's it. A pizza uh, pastel. See, si, pizza pastel. That's yeah, one, one of my favorite paste, pastries. Mm. I've had a couple of them. They're really good. Like the, yeah. there's places around. My Are they like the round too. ones? Are they square? Most, they're square. square. And actually, they're almost like what, a señorita, right? They're almost a señorita. Señorita's a pastry dough, so it's like a señorita, but they have a cream cheese. You got the ham. You got the piece of sauce, and your special recipe, you know, sauce in there. A little bit of anise on it. And it really tastes when it comes out of the oven. You put that in syrup on top. Oh my god. And when you're cutting it, I love to eat all the edges on the side. It's really, I've really, never really good. had a pizza pastel. Really good, really good. Oh man, they're really good. It's funny the, the so the Cuba the Miami palette. I was talking to a guy who does barbecue. Uh, this guy um, uh, Richard Hales, who did who did barbecue down here. He's from Tampa, and he's like, it took him a while to understand that the Miami palette is sweet, sweet like this. like, and that's I think from our Latin influence and you know the big Cuban influence. Like the Cuban pizza, the sauce on Cuban pizza is generally. It leans on the sweet side. On the sweet side. Have, have you found that too? I mean, obviously, yeah. un dulcero. <laughs> yes, yes. See, something about the pastries. Um, you tried our pastries. Our pastries, we always have that extra syrup on it. Yeah. And it's like a sweet and sour kind of a thing. And sometimes you have customers that, no, we don't like the syrup. But 
it's it's our page it's our our line i always tell them you know sometimes i got workers oh they don't like too much of the syrup or the syrup it's it's so important in the pastry mm -hmm. that, that that little sweet on it oh when especially when you eat a meat pastry and the wayala pastry the the coconut you need that extra little syrup on it that's right if your eyes aren't rolling back in the in your head uh, from a from a if you're not in a diabetic coma that's right i mean <laughs> he didn't do it right has, like we like we figured out like let's put coffee sugar in the coffee first sugar goes in first yeah you know like in in europe where they do the milk in first people right like we're uh, we're the sugar in first sugar people. in first yes <laughs> Yeah, is there sure any other part figured. of the country that you guys um, have expanded to or would consider expanding to? Like, uh, or is this just a, like a, a South Florida? No, no, we're, we're planning already. Next year, we, we're moving up the state. We got Orlando already. We have West Palm Beach next year, uh, Boca Raton Plantation. We got all those lined up already. Those are uh, in, in the work right now. And um, I know Tampa, Gainesville. That may be Gainesville. Yeah, yes. no, like the I kids was, go up there to college. They want their yeah. pastelitos. And there's a lot of Miami kids up there now. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. are a ton of Miami kids. Yeah, we just trying to move to so make it the right way. Like, we got to open in these other warehouses so we can store. So I have a oh. producer store there, and we can, you know, transport them uh, to, to the locations. But right now, for next year, we're all the way up to Orlando. Because right. that, that's an interesting thing you mentioned right there is that, so it's not like one store, one bakery. Like, you got to open several bakeries that work out of one commissary to make to make the numbers work it sounds to, like yes of course of course see that's an we're in an interesting place right with the restaurant world right now especially mm -hmm. because ingredients are so expensive right oh, and yes. and and rents are so expensive to have yes. one place one bakery with one set of ovens cooking for one spot that almost doesn't make sense anymore mm -hmm. like no, even Zach, even Zach the baker he's got one bakery uh -huh. But out of that one bakery, he bakes for, you know, Whole Foods. Yeah, for Whole and, Foods and stuff, yeah. Right. That's the right. only way nowadays. Like you said, ingredients are, a year ago, a box of uh, 30 dozens of eggs was 30-something dollars. We pay $115 now just for a case. Wow. And that's only in eggs. It's, it's, it's crazy. The market right now, it's really, you know, it's really let, wild. Let me, you, we mentioned Zach the Baker. So are you, are you interested? Are you, do you like sourdough type breads like but for lack of a better term like artisanal american style you know or french style breads like are you because cuban bread is a kind of sourdough really yeah i love sourdough bread one of my favorite breads it used to play, you, be a place here and i live in miami lakes uh -huh. uh, they closed it down uh, after covid shula steakhouse oh sure uh, yep. they had the best sourdough bread they brought that bread warm and then oh my god <laughs> amazing where you you weren't like in the pandemic where you weren't making your own sourdough bread at home like the rest of the country. <laughs> he makes bread all day. We made so many. Believe it or not, we made croquettes at home. Me and my wife. We did empanadas. We did everything, and we kept open the bakeries. But we had a schedule of like nine in the morning to four o'clock in the afternoon. You know, right. But uh, I think that uh, got got the. Uh, it's kind of nice. It's terrible, to, you know. <laughs> but uh, I remember seeing the neighborhood. Everybody at home in the afternoon walking out said, "Oh, yeah, there's neighbors that you don't even talk to." And it's like back then, everybody was talking to everybody. I said, "Oh my God, the golf course here was like a little baseball field in every corner of little kids." <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, what, do you think that there was an element, especially for people in your business, you know, where you guys yeah. work? Amy, mm -hmm. we're talking about people who go into work at three in the morning mm -hmm. and are like, they're done by the time most people are going to work. So like three to oh, nine, yeah. usually something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And do you think there was an element for people who have been going and, and, you know, you get a job at 18 at your dad's bakery and you start baking and then you open the next one. And before you look up, you're 50 years old. Do you think there was an element where people with obviously terrible reason why, but were forced to kind of stop and say, what is my life? What is important? What can I... What do I want to keep doing again, and what can I change a little bit? Let me tell you, it, after two, uh, 2020, uh, a lot of things changed. You know, I think everybody even mentally, the way you know, yeah, it, it was like uh, before that was go 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 go, and all of a sudden everything stopped. Yeah. And now you realize, you know, there's so and like I say, I'm 50 already, so you start changing your mind a little bit, you know. Yeah. You know, like, but yeah, I, I think it changed, and a lot of people has changed the, you know, the style of life. 
How, how did it change for you? Like, what do you, what, after coming through these two years, what did you think? Like, if you look back, you're like, how was your life different? How did you decide I, to make your life different? I think um, more time at home, believe it or not. More more family time, more, you know, even, okay, you go out, but it, it was getting the, the family even more together, you know. Yeah. You realize that because sometimes it's like work, 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 it's all that's in your, in your mind, you know, you're, you're thinking already, okay, next, tomorrow's this, the next day is that, you know. You realize when that happened, it was like, you don't know what the next day was going to be, <laughs> you know. Right. And yeah, if there was so, going to be one yeah, for you. Do you have kids? <laughs> Uh, yes, five kids. So when are you going to shove your kid into a new <laughs> Vicky Bakery and make her run it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, they've been in the, in the bakery business. You, uh, this Not all of them. My two youngest one, uh, actually I have him studying. One's um, St. Thomas. He's almost graduating now in December. And um, my daughter's in UM. So those I want to you know, study a little bit of law, a little bit of, of uh, sports and yeah, we, we need some some help, some lawyers in the family. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Everybody needs a lawyer in the family. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and if, if you get a family business, you need a family lawyer. You need a family lawyer. Yeah, this uh, is this smart. Was a, this was a little bit touchy, but I know your your oldest son, Tony. Uh, Tony, Tony, he, Tony. He was he was also part of the business, and he owned several yes. um, bakeries, several Vicky bakeries, and yes. he decided to open his own. His own branch. His own brand. I'm actually very proud of Tony. Tony's a chief, you know, he's a very good business, uh, well, it's, a, it's in his blood, you know. Yeah, and, I mean, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah, very, very proud, he's doing, he's doing, he's being very successful, he's doing, he's doing great, you know. It's, uh, so we're, we're, we meet every, every week for dinner, <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> so oh, that's really time. great. Yes, 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 yes. Because so I know very, that, very that, proud of him. Because I know that, that, I, that, that was a little bit of Rose, that was a little bit of, because because I think in general when it, when a kid goes off and does their own thing, it's it's tough you know, um, and especially when it's it's like a business like they have one idea for a business and and you have a way that you do it and and obviously yours has been successful for many years and and right. their bakeries are doing well too. But that I, I imagine there was a point where you guys spread apart and then came back together a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Family comes first, and, you know, this is a big family business, too. I'm, you know, I'm the only son of Antonio, but I got three three sisters, and two of them, like right now, the Vicky Enterprise is run by us, the Cal, the, the is run by the Oramas, and the Santiago's. That's the three, three families, you know. Those are, my, you know, my sister and my brothers-in-law, and it's a family business, you know. Yeah. Your your sister and your brother in law uh, still run the own the one here in, in East Hialeah, right? East Hialeah, yeah, Carmen. Yeah. That's Carmen and, and, and Fernando. They still Car- run that Carmen one. and Fernando. Yeah, right, right. My dad's Tocayo. They were they were buddies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they run there. Uh, well, that, and, that's really cool. That's yeah. cool that you guys have found. Uh, you know, it's always interesting to me how the next generation responds. Like I think of Lovals, the Felipe Vols family. You know that yes. Versailles. I, you know Felipe, his son Felipito. And, mm-hmm. you know, now his daughters, Nicole, is the one that's the most involved, you know, outwardly from the restaurant. And he, actually, he's got three to three or four daughters. And they're, they're all super involved in the, in the, in the restaurant. Or they found yeah. their own way. But, like, one of them went off and was, like, a, a fancy, you know, a fancy chef at, like, a Daniel Balud's restaurant. And I think it's always interesting to see how family businesses evolve. You know? Right, 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 right. And I guess they got the food business in their blood, all of them. So, yeah, and, yeah, and, and same for you guys. That's yes, for sure. Yes, yes. Um, Pedro, it's going to so be really what, hard to play our game with this guy, Carlos. Yeah, no, he's uh, he he might have a heart attack. He might have a heart yeah, attack. Yeah, he might he might just keel over. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Pedro, before we let you go, oh, yes. you we ask everybody to play our our version of Kiss, Mary, Kill, but with food. In other words, we give you three food items that we all love. Okay. You have to pick one to marry. That's yours forever. That you'll never let go of, one to kiss, one that you have a little fling with, and uh, one to kill. You gotta cut. You gotta cut it. You can never have it again. And uh, right. so, so the ones that that we always pick because we, you know, we're a Miami show is una croqueta, un pastelito, Boy. y un cafecito cubano. So if you have to kiss, marry, kill those three, what? How are you gonna, gonna do it? What are you gonna do? Well, that's a hard one. 
That is very <laughs> yeah. for you. It's it. specifically him. Yes, yes. I would marry the three of them. <laughs> <laughs> he'd, he'd go Keep all polygamous. All my wives. <laughs> <laughs> He's got three sister wives. He's got yeah, the, the croqueta sister wife, the pastelito sister wife. Yeah, I guess I'll pick a pastelito, then we'll go with a croqueta and the coffee. But like I said, I would love to marry the three of them. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So you would kiss the pastelito, marry the croqueta, and kill the coffee? Ooh. No, I think so, he flipped. I think the pastelitos. The pastelitos is, is, first. The, the pastelito will be the wife. That would be the wife. Okay, yeah, so yeah. you're married to the pastelito. Yes, 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 yes. So you're Kiss, kissing the croqueta. Mrs. Pastelito Cow. <laughs> and you've and killed, killed Cuban coffee. Uh, that's a tough one, but it is tough. Ha- yeah, whatever has to go that way. Too much caffeine then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pedro, uh, I appreciate so much, man, you making time to, uh, to talk with us. And, uh, you know, congrats on, on 50 years uh, of Vicky Bakery and... Um, you know, I'm. I'm. Uh, my only criticism is we don't have one in Gainesville yet, and as we'll soon, as soon as do that, uh, <laughs> you know, if you have if you have one there for my next trip when I go up uh, to visit Elise before she she graduates, I'd be I'd appreciate it. But other than that, we'll be, you know, we'll be, the we'll be there. <laughs> thank you, thank you for inviting me for to the show and had a great time. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Thanks again, Pedro. Bye. Right. Bye. 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 Dude, now I'm hungry. You know, the the worst thing we ever did with this show is to make it right before lunch. Right before lunch. This is true. A hundred percent. Because I'm kind of like, it, I, sometimes I'm hangry. I'm just like, mm-hmm. I want to I yeah. be done with this guy. I want to go eat. I want to eat some food now. Yeah. Do you have a favorite uh, of those? You know, we've never kissed, Mary killed us. We've, we've never kissed, Mary killed. Oh, this is true. We have never kissed, Mary killed. So I'm going to put you on the spot first and then you can, you can come back oh. at me. One hundred percent, I would marry the cafecito, hands you would down. Marry it. Okay. I would marry you can't live it. Live with that one, because like it, it, coffee is life. I mean, it is pretty much uh, like one of my addictions. I, I like me some coffee, and I would definitely kiss the croqueta because croquetas have they have like protein <laughs> and like yeah. cheese and stuff. You know, it's yeah. a little fried, but it's 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 a meal. There's nourishment, and then the pastelito, I would kill it. Because I can live without pastelitos if I have a croqueta. That's true. That's true. And who was it? Who's the guest that had the uh, uh, that had the good point that pastelitos can be savory? And that's like that's true. That's, that's so, true. But know, I still would rather have a croqueta. You what would, would you? What, what's your kiss, Mary kill? This is a tough one. I've actually never thought about it. Um, I think you know what's funny is I'm drinking lots of different kinds of coffee now. I like I have I make Cuban coffee during the week. I'll like in the mornings I'll have just uh, French Some press of your nerdy coffee. coffee, like your yeah, cold brew, fresh French press, weird stuff. Artisanal, locally do you, roasted. You grind the beans yourself. Hand picked beans, dried. <laughs> small do you, batch. Do you, do you make your coffee with the beans that come from the poop of a goat? Stuff? <laughs> Remember that with the weird little the weird little cat in like India that that pooped the beans and they yes. had to be they had to be belly fermented. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's funny is, so I think because I drink so many different kinds of coffee, I could kill the Cuban coffee. Ugh. I know. Isn't that weird? I, I didn't, I couldn't, I can't believe it, but I think I could, I think I could kill the Cuban coffee. Although I love Okay, then it. who are you marrying? Who are you marrying? What do I want forever? Um, I think that I'm going to marry pastelitos. Okay. Yeah, because... Because you can get them savory and sweet, uh, and I think I would kiss the croqueta because I just I want them, but I can't have them all the time. I can eat a couple, and then I'm like, all right, I'm I'm full. So I think I think I'm gonna go with that. But ask me again tomorrow, <laughs> and they might all be well, different. One thing that you hadn't considered: pastelitos are messy, croquetas super clean. You just shove yes. it in your face. Yeah. Well, well, we're not considering the 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 venue, right? Like if you're in the car. Then you got to marry croquetas. Oh yeah, for sure. Thing. Yeah, I'm just saying, yeah. pastelitos are like always all up on you. Yeah. How do you eat a pastelito? Just <laughs> with my whole you gotta face. Do the, you got to do the lean where <laughs> you <laughs> bite <laughs> it and you lean, <laughs> just growl and get guava smeared all over you. Yeah, it's it's oh. usually something you don't want to wa- watch. Like you don't want to watch <laughs> me eating a pastelito. <laughs> oh, there's got to be a rating. There's got to be like an NC17 rating. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's like no sensor. <laughs> Let's put a little black bar a little over black it. Black bar. <laughs> oh, well, Amy, I feel like that is a show. I feel like you're right, and I feel like I'm about to go find the closest vent anytime.